0: the last episode of the year, I uh, thought I'd invite Mr. McDermott just to, because this is us, this is EFS 19. Uh, however, we spent the last, well not the last, the first 40 minutes talking about uh, some of the principles and and things, the quest for self stuff that we started the podcast with. And prior to turning the mics on tonight, we did sit down and have a bit of a, more of an in-depth chat about that. And we don't need to go back into there. However, just thought maybe going into twenty twenty three. A little bit of like lessons learned, which we do talk about in the start. However, I mean, what's the what would be? I don't know if I'd ask you. I can't remember what we said in the podcast. That that's the mark of a good one.
1: No, I'll, I'll we'll just start by thank thank you for having me. That it was very nice of you to have me over for an introduction, my good man. That's all right. Thanks, mate. And uh I think where you were heading was. um Pretty much what we we're talking about off mic was, and and listening back to the start of the episode that's coming up, I think we were just talking about the transference, the transfer of knowledge into wisdom. Mm.
0: Is is the, knowing and understanding the yeah. summary?
1: Yeah, mm. knowing mm. and and then putting that knowledge into action mm. um, is is kind of a summary. Yeah of of where where we where the conversation sort of goes it, it yeah. was what we were talking about off mic mm. and it mm. sort of echoes into what what we talk about in the start of the uh, of the next episode of, yeah. this, of the episode coming up
0: and i think that's um 2022 has been an interesting year for everybody that has awareness right it's been we've all been tested and and tried however you know one of the things we were talking about earlier was we we're, we're here we're standing tall we're here we mm-hmm. survived and I think we've all learned, right? Yeah. And I think, well,
1: even even those who who weren't like on the aware path, um, I think a lot more people are now. Yes, you there's know, been an uptick. There's a lot of th- more thinking about where our society is heading. Yeah. What are we doing? What, what do are we, we know? doing? What do we yeah, don't know? Exactly. Who do we trust? What institutions are trustworthy?
0: None of them. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah but I, I think and this is the thing through knowledge and understanding comes objective thinking critical thinking I think is probably what I'm trying to get at it's like if you can think critically about any situation whether it be personal whether it be political whether it be societal if you can employ that and employ the the lessons the keep it simple the, the three to five seconds which we go on about in the start of this episode that allows you to stand in your own personal perspective and that you know that's a self-empowerment you know there's some self-worth there if you can sit with yourself and go hey this is my understanding i'm open to different understandings so whoever at least i've thought about this critically and come to a decent knowing uh of whatever the subject is i suppose
1: well just having thought about it that's the 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 fact that it's like listen i've th- I feel like I've reached a point in my life where I've I've thought I've thought about the present. I've thought about the past. Mm. I've learnt. Ta- I've taken learnings from the past, incorporated them into my present to guide my future. Yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. the moment, and I f- I feel like that's what twenty twenty two really pushed me into. You know, yeah, I, g- I agree. And some people might. Uh, have the benefit of of coming to that at a you know earlier points in their life, and mm. I think we all we all mature at a different uh, level. And Everybody's we all learn on their own journey, exactly. Yeah, but I feel like that's what twenty twenty two did for me.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think I've grown more mentally, spiritually, physically this year than any other year, hands down. You know, and I think, and it's through the lessons, through discomfort, through acknowledging discomfort and learning from the past and you know you put that beautifully but it's also a reflection of why we do this isn't it there's lessons in the past that can affect our present that will shape our future right which is the reason we love the ancient civilization however what you just did there was beautiful you've brought that into the personal space as well because it's exactly right it's the same thing you know Everything's the same, mate. I think that's what we learned this year. It's all the same story, right? It's that's just right. the same story over and over and over and over and over again, right? Exactly. I just actually had a thought. What did we come off the back of last year? We come off the back of this time last year, we were doing triptych. We were doing God Self. So we went into 20, we went into this year. Was it that long ago? Yeah. We wow. went into this year. Think about that. That was the start of this year. We went into yep. this year with a fresh understanding of God's self and mm-hmm. the universal religion and the spiritual and the...
1: And the, the balancing and of the, the, the masculine, masculine and the feminine, feminine and, and the dark and the light. The dark and, and the light. Yeah.
0: That was the that was the knowledge that we went into this year with. Mm-hmm. And If you think about the journey, we've done that. We've gone into the dark, into the light, realized we're the light in the dark and the dark in the light and it's all... And here we are. Mm think about that and it's and it's a combination wow. it's a
1: combination of the both that that creates the the higher spiritual being
0: absolutely the balance of self yeah the balance like the,
1: the 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 yin and the yang yeah
0: that's really
1: yeah we uh
0: yin yanged this year yeah yeah wow that just came to me then i just did i only just thought about that just then that's well, a really good episode by the way i want to come back to the triptych well, I think that uh, we haven't decided on the next book, but it could be Cassaro's book. We have got Cassaro's book there.
1: Look, I think maybe we should... We started last year with uh, the, the theory and, and unpacking Cassaro's, uh video, like his lecture online and stuff like that. So, you know, why not start the year with some more Casaro?
0: Mm. The only other outside idea I had, mm. and listeners let us know, was instead of Cassaro Maybe, oh, just trash in the refinery. Sheesh! Grab the wrong book and everything. (laughs) This is going well. Yeah, it's going really well. We (laughs) we do that. Eureka! That's the Battle of the Eureka Stockade. Now I've read that three or four times, so I don't have to read all of it. Yep. And I could cherry pick.
1: Yeah. Good bits and pieces. Uh, good bits and
0: pieces of the story. That was the only thing I thought, maybe from, no. a, from a bit of an Australiana point of view. Look,
1: if, I, I think after the uh, epic that is... Um, EFS. EFS. It's going to end up being 20 episodes. If, if, you could, if you could put together a project where we can condense that down into like a handful, a handful of yeah. episodes, yeah. I think that would be worthwhile. Mm. You know I Do just a reader's digest Of yeah Of the Eureka Of the, stock, Euro- okay. of the Eureka By Peter Fitzsimmons
0: The only Because Peter Fitzsimmons Puts a really Awesome spin on He looks at it From both directions mm. And I think it's also Probably the, one of the most Misunderstood parts Of Australian history Yep uh, In all honesty Yeah uh, Yeah so that's That's on the boil as well Let us know What you think Um Look, maybe we wrap this up, man. I don't really have too much more well, look, to say. Well, look,
1: off the back of that, man, I think that's a, the perfect time to bang on into the episode.
0: Yeah, and actually, we know, there's no song now because what do we do? Maggot brain psychedelic or something? Funkadelic. Funkadelic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, for it's a, a wicked riff that you're about to dive. <laughs> the thing is, we'd been listening to it for 10 minutes, so you're going to dive into the last... 40 seconds or so. However, enjoy this episode. We really enjoyed bringing this one to you. And I know we say it in the episode. However, thank you again for your support this year. Uh, it's been the best year for the podcast, hands down. Uh, and I really appreciate that. I appreciate all the listeners. I appreciate the epic journey we've been on, brother. 20 episodes of EFS. Uh, we'll finish that early in the new year. Uh, and it's just one marathon episode to the end, man. That's all we're doing, right? We, yeah. we lock ourselves in this room <laughs> and we're not leaving until it's done. <laughs> until until those rookie numbers are boosted.
1: Yeah, straight up. Uh,
0: so, yeah, look forward to that. Plenty of cool episodes uh, and cool people coming into the new year. Uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to what the next year will bring. Please look after yourselves, man. Have you got anything else you want to say before I sign off?
1: That's it, mate. Let's bang on into the episode.
0: Enjoy this one. Look after yourselves. Happy New Year. Uh, Merry Christmas from a couple of days ago. Or oh, happy holidays, whatever you want to do. And uh, we'll see you next year. Cheers.
1: Like a fucking pile of maggots. Absolutely minced
0: me. Mate. How good was that? I'm gonna let probably the last 30 or 40 seconds of that play, but that went for 10 minutes. That's Let's do a nice slow fade. Yeah, I will. Fade I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. That mm. was Funkadelic Maggot Brain. And this is the last episode of 2022, mate.
1: See you later. What a year,
0: man once more once more unto the breach my friend mm. oh dude I mean where do we where do we start I don't want to get too reflective but I did want to I did want to talk about going back right going back I'm going to stop share this here so we can going back to the start the quest for self, the core principles that we started here at UTC. okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I thought, you know, last episode of 2022, I cracked out the old tie dye. Uh, I bloody love it. Uh, the very reminiscent feeling is healing, mate. Feeling
1: is healing. And
0: see, that's there's another one, right? Keep it simple, three to five seconds. Feeling is healing. These principles, the mirror ball, man, mm-hmm. like these things that we started with the pure thought of, right. I've been coming back around to those over the last sort of I don't know, what did I say 6 weeks or so, 2 months maybe. Where I thought, hang on a minute. Cuz I mean I teach every day, right? Then the problem with being a teacher is that a lot of people ask you things and you give a lot of people advice, but you don't take your own fucking advice, you know 100%. what I mean? You get, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you, I know what you're saying. You can't take your own advice, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I teach these principles every day, keep it simple 3 to 5 seconds housekeeping, right? That is yeah. the core principles to the teaching that I do, right? Because They apply in every workplace in every industry. I don't want to get into work right now, however, from a personal standpoint, these things that we started talking about five years, six years ago now, right? Because we were talking about them before we hit the record button. Oh,
1: yeah, well, that um, was part of the reason we hit the record button,
0: yeah, was because of those things, yeah. Um, they are actually. Through through the lens of the last five years and the things that we've learned on top of that, if we come back to those, man, they fucking work, dude. Like, and they really, really do. If you can break shit down and keep it simple in your own mind, right? Because it actually is, right? We overcomplicate shit. We 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 needlessly complicate things. Things don't have to be complicated. We make them that way, right? And if you can employ keep it simple. Break things down one step at a time, one thing at a time, one job at a time, right? But even in your mind. So how I've been using them mm-hmm. is triggers, yep. okay? Yep. The Hulk words, you know, those those phrases and those things that can make us, Brah! you know yes. what I mean? Like. 100%. Everybody has those, right? Yep. Okay. So how do we apply? When those triggers arise, we keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Okay, we know, because the thing is, we know, we know, right? We know that trigger. Yeah. We know when it arises. Yeah, yeah. Now we need to move, using the principles, what we can do is we can begin to understand, because knowing and understanding two completely separate things, yeah?
1: Definitely. Right? It enables It enables the observation mm-hmm. of the self. Exactly. Which is another thing we used to talk about. Exactly,
0: dude, right? So, if you can employ, when that trigger arises, because by now we know the triggers, when it arises... Keep it simple. Number one, don't react outwardly when the trigger happens. That's number one. Okay. No outwards reaction. Yep. When that trigger arises, stoic. Stoic, man. You have to be, right?
1: Bit of stoicism. Because. Sorry, I interrupted. No, no, no.
0: No, you're right. You're right. No, Um, stoicism. It's very true, right? Don't outward react. Okay. Yep. Then we keep it simple. Why am I reacting like this? Why is this trigger? What do I do what I'm about to do yeah because I've done it before we know what's going on right okay is it going to serve me in this moment and does it' well, just remember that what was it does it serve me Yep, that's what it used to be does it serve does me? it yeah. serve me man
1: that would come from Franco there it? was Franco yeah
0: yeah he's currently in his van somewhere on the other side of the country um van. yeah uh yeah does it serve me and if it doesn't then who's running this fucking shit man hmm. we can let it go you know what i mean
1: definitely i know exactly what you're saying if
0: it's if it's a if it's a previous pattern that does no longer serve you which is pretty much all of them if you react negatively okay that there's no two ways about that it's pretty simple to go you know what i choose to not do that okay yep. And the three to five seconds is within that keep it simple, right? So the trigger happens. Give yourself five seconds to think about it. Yep. About what it's doing. How pause. It's, pause, pause just moment. pause in the moment. Yep. Right. Because you know, and I'm throwing some F-bombs. Who cares? It's the last episode of the year. However, three to five seconds is the difference between fucking something up and not fucking it up. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Right. And that I I I use that at work from a safety perspective. Because one of the incidents that I've investigated it boils down so many times yeah. to someone zigging when they should have zagged. Yeah. If you had it took three yeah. seconds to look at what you just did before you did it, you yeah. wouldn't have done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's applicable across everything, man. Right? And I wonder, and see, I was talking to, actually, Michael. Kudos to Michael. He redid the logo. Uh, he's looking tasty. It's awesome, man. I really, really appreciate that. And uh, his wife is a, Criminal psychologist. She wants to come on the show and have a chat. So we're going to do that in the new year. Going to be very interesting. That's interesting. I, I told her to choose her topic, whatever she wants. She's been listening to us. Oh, really? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll do some thank yous before we jump into the book. But I'll keep going with the, the. I was talking to Michael about the mirror ball, right? Yes. And the original idea was you start with a blank ball. Yep. And you, you could perspective. And every perspective you can add objectively adds a mirror to that ball. Yeah. And your job is to fill the mirror ball.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And I wonder now, so if we think about so because everything's cyclical, right?
1: Yeah.
0: So I'm coming back to these original ideas with how many different new perspectives? Definitely. The mirror ball is now not completed by any sense of the imagination, mm. but there's more tiles on it. Definitely. That I can see now. And I'm actually truly applying mm. the principles yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. And what's fascinating is if you apply, keep it simple, three to five seconds, the disco ball, these things we're talking about, right? And you feel them, feeling is healing. Mm. You've got to allow yourself to feel the shit, right? Because if you're being triggered, the reason you're being triggered is because something bad happened. Either you did something bad or something bad happened to you. And you've got to sit with the shit. Because that's the only way you can know with it. Because you don't want to sit. When, once you sit with it and feel it's like I actually don't need this anymore. Mm. I, it's it's enough now. Where we are fucking done here. Um, and you can let it go because you have the you have the enough tiles on the mirror ball to understand what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. And well, for, for this level. Mm, for this level. This this on this round ball, of the cycle. The right. Ball yeah. Is
1: never ending. Exactly. Now I have a question being. Now that we're talking about observing our behavior, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so let's think about can you off the top of your head remember back when we were doing, or well, obviously we've got it recorded, yeah, but what's the time? uh, What's the approximate time for the cyclical rotation? So you've come back onto this now at the end of 2022, yeah. When was the last time we were talking about it? That's an interesting part to go back and look at. So go back and it would and, have been
0: 2018, 2019 somewhere in there yep. 2017, so 18, 18 19
1: if we well if we nut that down to approximate like within about six months mm. then we gauge the time mm. that we've that it took from when we were talking about it mm-hmm. to the subconscious conscious processing it, mm. putting some of it into light and then it's come back around because your brain has gone right we've reached. That next level, Mm -hmm. we've put those things into place. You've moved into another thing. Now it's time to readdress this topic Mm. because it's time to look back down that rabbit hole. You're ready to move. Your science has improved. Yeah. Your tech has improved. That's right. So you can, you're able to absorb more now. Mm -hmm. That's like you've matured. You've improved. You've grown in knowledge and wisdom and you've broadened your perspective. You're now ready. To move to the next level.
0: Yeah, that's it. And that, I think that's, well, if you think about it, those original principles, we went too hard in the paint. We both did. We can admit that now. Back yeah. in the day, we we took those things and went, brah, right? Yeah. Whereas now, the difference is now when I think about these things and I'm looking at these things objectively now, it's with humility, right? Yep. Because it's like, whether it be age or whatever it is, or yep. knowledge base, I don't have to, you know, The whole time, right? Yeah, it doesn't serve me anymore to do that. Okay, so now when we're when I'm looking at these principles again, I'm looking at them through the lens of humility, through feeling is healing, through heart centered stuff. You know what I mean? And that's that's the difference. Yeah, yeah.
1: And And that's that's the difference between where we were at x amount of years ago. Three yep. four year ago, yeah, compared to now, yeah, with age, time, empathy, learning, perspective, yeah. experience added level. on yeah. everything Knowledge. that came from three four year ago to now. Mm-hmm. That's because I I, re, I feel like the the raw that initial rah, like the rabbit by the fucking seat of the pants. Mm. I think that's necessary mm. because. You've got to find the line. You've got to ride the inertia Mm -hmm. and the inertia in that beginning because I think the reason why it happens is that you've got a long way to go. Yeah. You've got a long way to go. So you go hard and start to lay down those things initially. Mm -hmm. Then as you fade off, well, how much time has passed? Mm -hmm. You're older, wiser, Mm -hmm. more empathetic. Mm -hmm. Whereas, so you're, you're thinking, you're taking into perspectives you took in perspectives from the start of that idea Mm -hmm. to when it fades off you're Mm -hmm. taking in perspectives those whole time, absolutely because it's there's a spotlight on that behavior yeah so you're taking in a lot i think you then through that sprint you do and we do initially Mm -hmm. you gain so much info Mm -hmm. that then it's time to sit on that and stew on that Mm -hmm. bring it up a level Mm -hmm. and then you slowly because of what you learned through that point, mm-hmm. you're like, right, that's not sustainable. No. I need to but what I've done was really good. Yeah. Where's the I level? need yeah. to find the level where I can progress, mm-hmm. but not burn out mm-hmm. and just slow burn through mm-hmm. sort of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean I think about I mean in that first hit out, I went hard in the paint. Mm. I got down to 80 kilos, man. Like I don't I actually looked emancipated. Yeah. Right. I went too far in one direction, yep. Right, with a fast emaciated. Sorry, as I it like came emancipated. out, emancipated. I felt free. Yeah, yeah, I feel free. <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, emaciated. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I went too far, right. Whereas now, with my age, with with the knowledge base as well, hmm. right. If I can stay under ninety kilos, I'm happy with that. Yep. Right. I'm. I can maintain that. Still be strong, hmm. still be yeah you know, relatively fit, yep. and be okay yep. with that. Whereas it was like yeah ten percent body fat or nothing. You know what I mean? It's like hundred <laughs> percent. But Whereas, I think you know, that
1: was also it was also necessary because it was a, it was a kickstart. Yeah, like really in the in the ten years prior, where had your mind been at? You know what I mean? Yeah. W- were you focused on anything like that in the ten years prior? No. To what we did at the start? No sort Nine. of thing. Like we we I think we had to go hard. Yeah. Because you got a jump start for the last fifteen years. Like I would say 10, but it's more. Yeah. You know, like the last 15 years where you've done nothing like that. Mm. You know, your physical activity and and hell, I know I just had a bad I had a bad time adjusting from high school to real life. Mm. You know, I moved out pretty early. And yeah, early 20s was no good man. So like your physical <laughs> Your physical activity really rolls off yeah. Um, right throughout your 20s. And then before you know it, you've been dormant for 10 years. 10 years, yeah. And you're like, shit. So I think that initial, if you tried to slow grind from the very start, mm. you would see such limited results. You wouldn't see the gains, time. yeah. You, for yeah. me, I would die off. That's, That's right. Way quicker. Mm. So you kind of got to go hard. To get more gains quicker. Well,
0: it's where's the line, right? Yeah. But I think as well, when I was thinking why have I would come back around, and you said cyclical nature, mm. because the journey never ends, right? There is no there there. You know what I mean? That's if that's
1: no, that's right. But each time it's like a spiral yeah. going up. Yeah, it's like a
0: spiral galaxy. Yeah, so yeah. So it's yeah.
1: not just cyclical coming yeah. back onto where you started. No, no, no. You've moved up yeah. somewhere in some dimension.
0: Yeah, you've either got a lesser understanding or a deeper understanding the next time you hit that in the spiral, right? And that's that and I think when you start getting down into the muck and the crap of your existence, right? Because I mean, I think twenty twenty two for any of those, those of us with awareness, and I think particularly those of us that held the line, right? We have been tested spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically this year. I don't know, I know you have. I know I have been. It's been a roller coaster of chaos, the last right? Two years, three yeah. years. But, but but this year it's more about a growth year, you know what I mean? Like it's more about you you do you find that I mean well, I'm more I feel
1: the uncertainty was, was lifted so we can mm, think.
0: Yeah. You know what I mean? And process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: We felt the pressure came off. But in that other that other time it's kind of like when it was leading up to it you're in a different state of mind mm. because the threat is real mm. and it's happening and mm. it's worsening. Mm. And then this year the pressure got let off. Mm. So we're like, okay, hang on pause. We can fucking mm. take a breath and think now because there's a lot of, a lot of anxiety in mm. this world over the last three years. Um, mm. and that reduces your ability to think. It does. It does. So yeah, that's what this year was, was the important one yeah. out of everything.
0: I think it's this it's year's been resolution. Yeah, this year's have been a put up or shut up type of year, right? Mm. And and you know, as I say, anyone, most people that I know with awareness have had a rough year and have made good gains through dark times. You know what I mean? Like one hundred percent. The gains have been good, but it's yep. not been it's not like you've <laughs> you went a stroll along the beach. You know what I mean? No, yeah. it's, it's been tough.
1: <laughs> yeah, the year has been tough.
0: Yeah, and I think yeah, we're 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 going to come out into next year stronger than we were oh i am right i think i am and i think well I know i am actually i don't think i know uh but from a personal standpoint um yeah much better understanding very clear very calmer the reason i bought the tools up is like to the awesome listeners out there and i'll, I'll do some platitudes in a second because i looked at some stuff before we turned on the mics tonight um if you apply these things to your triggers, right, and if you have the awareness, and you can have the awareness, we all have the awareness, right, to just let that shit go, that's actually as simple as it is. Just fucking let it go. Does it serve you anymore? If it doesn't, let it go. And the other one that blew my mind that I, I view, think about all the time So when you have a bad day, right? Did you have a bad day? did you have a bad five minutes where you let someone influence you that then ruined, you allowed, you allowed to ruin the rest of your day. Mm. Right? Did you have a bad day or did you have a bad 10 minutes? Who the fuck is running this shit? Is it you? Who's running it? Right? We can, that was a negative interaction. I don't need that. Move on. Now, obviously no one is going to be perfect at this. And I'm definitely not perfect at this. However, if you can try and remember, we talked about baselines, right? Remember we talked about moving your baseline along. Okay. And solidifying your base. Okay. Yeah. I think if we use, well, what I've been doing the last six weeks or so is using the knowledge I now have through the healing that I've done this year. I mean, I went on a plant medicine journey this year, you know what I mean? Like I, I went as deep in the paint that with that sort of stuff than, I've ever, than ever before, yeah. right? And I'm using that and then using these principles to build the base. Because it's like, okay, those principles are a good way to use the knowledge we now have.
1: Yep.
0: Right? Mm-hmm. And then we sit here and we build the base using that knowledge. Yeah. And the trick is too, and what's interesting about it as well, right, because in the head the, the mind plays mental games, right? As soon, what I've found is, as soon as you let go of a trigger, mm. right? I've been triggered every which way, man. Like, yeah. oh, did you deal with that trigger? Geez, that's clever. Here's a trigger from 1998. Did oh, you, shit, yeah. did you remember that <laughs> when you were a oh, dickhead no. in yeah, 1998?
1: <laughs> no, well, there was one. Just to go back to the like the triggering thing, yeah, um, and like other people giving you, yeah, a bad like. You're suffering a bad day because of other people. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. If we did you have a bad day or did the you one, have a bad fight? One minutes? line,
1: you know how you know how um I think everyone has said this. It's like so you walk away from like a bit of a confronting situation. Mm-hmm. Five seconds later you're like fuck got the best comeback. Yeah. But it's the opportunity's gone now. If you program yourself that your smart ass come back that comes to your mind is mm. something along the lines of, fuck, they're having a bad day. Yeah. You'd be surprised how quickly you can allow shit if that, if you just program yourself to think yep. that one thought, Yeah, how easily it is to let things roll or feel back. Yeah. Cause you would originally, you would, you, you immediately mm. put their negative energy back onto them. That's like, right. It's nothing to do with, yeah. it's day.
0: nothing to do with you, man. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: And the best part is, is if you allow that to be that comeback that fucking comes three seconds too late, you think it, but you don't have to, you, it's too late for you. That's three to five
0: seconds as well though, isn't it? Right. That's exactly it. Even if the comeback comes out, even if he comes to your mind, it's like, do I have to say that? No. Or are they having a bad day? Yeah. Oh, good man. That's it. Have a good day, dude. And you can giggle
1: on your own thoughts. That's right. And then you can move on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's your, it's your shield. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: But, but again, that comes back to another thing we used to talk about, right, which was what is a good man, right? Yeah. Remember that. What is a gentleman, mm. okay? You know, it's 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 chivalry. It's it's um compassion, kindness, understanding, honor, integrity, loyalty, right? That's what a gentleman is. Yep. And color, creed, religion, none of that crap matters when it comes to being that. Every yep. man can Jeez. choose to be
1: that. That's right.
0: Right. And it, do you know what it costs you to be that?
1: Yeah, it costs you nothing. Nothing. And it, you don't need to, we all start from the same place. Absolutely. To be out, because it's choices. Mm-hmm. You don't need any money to do it. You mm-hmm. don't need any privilege. Everyone can just make a set of choices. Exactly. You to can choose. Be choo- a good person. You can
0: choose to be that. Yeah. Right? And it costs you nothing.
1: hmm
0: You know? And look, behind closed doors, when you're with good mates, can you have a bit of a laugh at some of the shit that's happened? Yeah, you can, Right. However, in the moment, do you need to? What is the, what's the, what's the, what, you know, what's the, what would a man with honor do? What would a gentleman do in this situation? Yeah. Sorry, mate, you're having a bad day. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, because the thing is too, if you, if you're in that state where you're trying to be that person, mm-hmm. right? And you, and again, we're talking about awareness, observation to keep it simple back to the stuff. Yeah. If you're existing in that state, you know within yourself, whether you've done anything wrong or not, right? Yeah. And if you've done something wrong, oh, well, look, I might have provoked that situation. You know what I mean? I I may have contributed to that. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't, and you've been nice and acted with integrity and all the things we just spoke about, then it's got nothing to fucking do with you, right? Let it go. That's right. Right? That, that person's existence is that person's existence, man. You know? And remember the... <laughs> Remember the fuckwit factor, right? Mm-hmm. So remember we said one in a hundred people is a fuckwit, right? Which yes. is probably not enough, but it gives us round numbers, yeah. Yeah. That means there's two hundred and seventy thousand fuckwits in Australia, yeah, right? And they hang around in clusters, man. You know, you run into a fuckwit cluster every now and again. You know what I mean? Yeah, bro. <laughs> no, exactly. Right. But do you allow those people to affect your day? No.
1: And the other thing we we used to say so not only the exogenous fuckwits but um if everyone around you is a fuckwit that's it's right like, it's probably you it's probably you it's probably you so, man you know because you got to look inside yeah. as well yeah
0: if everyone around you's a dickhead yeah. then yeah look chances are man
1: chances are you're the fucking king dick yeah
0: look, it's <laughs> exactly. you man it's you the exactly. only common denominator in
1: that so think about how you're treating people mm. because the reason why they might be uh coming off as fuckwits is because you're fucking rubbing everyone the wrong way with your negativity. Exactly. You need to fucking think about it for a bit mm. and uh, fucking elevate on that vibration. That's right.
0: Bro. That's right. Where, where, where are you sitting? Where are you on that level and vibration? You know, yeah. and I think, Oh, there's another thing we used to say, how you can, how do we know how we can affect people? So what you do, you go down to Woolies or wherever you go and you go to the grumpiest checkout person. And one day you try and make them laugh, right? Try and make them smile to the best of your ability and see if you can change that person's moment, right?
1: Have you seen the young girl down here at Woolies? She's um usually I usually see her on the self checkout, like the person standing yeah. there making sure people don't steal shit. Yeah. And I've seen her twice, and it must be the end of her shift, like when you duck down before they close. Mm-hmm. Oh man, she is like I had to do exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, man. But the thing is, I I didn't have a choice. I had to do it mm. because this this she was just being so dramatic with like how obvious she's like rolling her eyes oh, into the red. sky, doing these giant
0: side
1: <laughs> breaths, like.
0: But did you make her laugh?
1: Yes, yes, I was right. I had you to, changed for a
0: moment, man. See, but, that's but what we're talking I had about. To do it
1: twice, because it was two like a week apart. Yeah, right. But she was. I was like, "Wow, what's so bad in your world? Mm-hmm. What What are you not looking forward to? Mm-hmm. Why are you struggling through the day like this?"
0: Okay, that you've actually hit a nail on the head there, right? Yeah, and we will get into the book. I don't, we'll, just, we'll, we'll just we're just we're on a roll at the moment. We need to accept and understand and know that everybody has trauma. Every single person has trauma in one form or another, right? Whatever the worst thing is that's happened to you is the worst thing that's happened to you, right? You can drown in six inches of water. You can drown in six feet of water.
1: It's it's probably a good way to look at it, I guess. is probably um, like trauma people think. You probably get confused and think of large, yeah, large things, but it doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Whatever the worst thing is, is the worst thing. It's well, it's those things that we just when we sometimes when we need to be up in four hours, but your brain says no, we're going to relive every bad fucking mistake. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, those those they're still traumas. Like we we suffered. Usually, they stick in our brain because we suffered. Yeah, situational
0: trauma or something like that. Yeah,
1: so that's just that's that's sort of learning Mm. um and Mm -hmm. when we're younger the consequences seem to be a little more more catastrophic in terms of like emotion but as you get older you you learn your your emotions broaden yeah you get more depth to them because you've got because it's it's your experiences Mm -hmm. that build your emotions
0: but those initial traumas is also what begins the cycle right and it's like so you've got to Yes, you got to you got to go around that cycle, you know, until you figure out or not figure out. Well, right? they're
1: all just learning experiences. That's right, aren't they? So and you repeat those... them
0: if they if there's exactly. negative ones, so and there's you're the learner, you
1: Learning don't. experiences mm-hmm. in the beginning, and like you said, because those negative ones are going to lead you to make make more mistakes down the yeah. track. Similar decisions. So that's yeah. why. So this is where we start to get that cyclical. Mm-hmm uh idea Mm -hmm. because you kind of make a make a heap of learning experiences then you think about it you whatever you're going to learn you learn and then that chance comes back around and you Mm -hmm. run through that series of learning experiences Mm -hmm. again
0: until you learn the Until lesson,
1: you learn to get yeah, rid of those, that, things. those experiences. Exactly so right. Whatever you wish to call them, whether it's right. trauma, yeah, whatever it is, experience, yeah, whatever, you can, positive, negative, doesn't et matter. cetera. It doesn't matter. Exactly. Yeah. It, every, it's like one of those bloody spider chart things yeah. where it's like every action has yeah. a, a, a cause a reaction. and reaction. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's it. So it's every every decision we make splits mm. in two. Mm. And then that multiplies. And on, see and the, on and on and on forever.
0: And the thing is, we know, right? I know I could ring two or three guys right now that I've known for quite a while. And I'd ask them how they were going. Like I could put them on speaker. I could tell you what's going what they're gonna say before I rang them. Yeah. And chances are better than good, right? That those boys would say the exact same thing they've been saying to me for the last ten years. How you going, mate? Oh, this that this that this that. Like people won't get out of their own way. They won't get out of that cycle. Right? They, they, you get stuck in the, in the well, rut. You know? level of comfort, yeah, as
1: well, because you can operate. You know that shit's going to come back around. and yeah. you've sort of, you haven't fixed.
0: I haven't done anything you about it. Fixed what it Yeah, you're but comfortable you've, there. But whatever you've, it
1: is. yeah, you you've accepted that amount mm. of negativity. Mm. You're like that's okay. I don't need to move past that.
0: But it's also yeah. But it's the thing because the thing is, in order to move past that negativity that's no longer serving you, you've got to sit with it. You've got to sit in the shit, and it's yeah, it's bad, and 100%. it feels bad, and you feel bad.
1: That's that's when that's you know you learn. You've got to yeah, you've got to sit there and go through. Your perspective, their perspective, mm-hmm. the third person perspective.
0: And what then, did you do?
1: That's right. Yeah. that's yeah. right. You you go through all of those perspectives: mm-hmm. your perspective, theirs, whoever many of them there are. Mm-hmm. Then you look at it from an an outside perspective, mm-hmm. at like two people on a television screen yeah. arguing. Yeah, but that's you and whatever the conflict. Yeah, yeah.
0: Is. That's the observation. And then yeah, you yeah, look
1: yeah. from it outside. Yeah. And once you've done all of those things, this that's what you're what, what you're doing while you're sitting in the shit as mm. you're going through all that because especially when you look at things from other people's perspectives yeah. back at you, yeah. You're like, that's where you gotta go. Look, fuck, I was yeah, probably wrong there. Yeah. There's yeah. multiple ways I could have averted that.
0: And then and then there's you get in that get to the depth where it's like, oh no, I actually really hurt that person.
1: Yep. And it's uncomfortable to be in that place. Yeah,
0: because you feel that you feel the pain that it's, they feel because you've caused that pain. That's right. You know what I mean, and that and people don't want to feel that because it's and then hard. You're
1: feeling pain, so not only are you feeling the pain, yeah, then you're you've caused, yeah, exactly. You're also feeling the yeah. pain of causing, of causing, the, causing the, pain. the pain, yeah, 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 yeah. sort yeah. of thing. So that's, that's when, what, but that if you can do that, that you know that's a that's a high level vibration mm-hmm. to be able to do that. And hold through it. Yeah, you man. know what I mean. That's it's a funny. It's a funny muscle. The heart. Been the last like you know what I mean. Seven months of yeah, my man. life. Yeah,
0: for sure. But that's
1: it's a it's like anything. You know, you start riding one k, then soon you're doing ten ks, mm-hmm. then you're doing twenty ks. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just think of ks for a moment, because we're just exercising emotionally exactly. is what we're doing, yeah. right? Yeah. So let's think of ks. It's reps as reps, mm. as, as the amount of emotional stress you can take on. Yeah. So you started off that you could only handle having one emotional stress and then you'd get triggered mm-hmm. and then you exercise your emotions and you get to two, then four, mm-hmm. then next yeah. minute you're at 10 and you're not getting triggered triggered. So this is exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. The growth is exercising your emotions mm. instead of deflecting. Cause that's why we, we tend to go round around. Yeah, that's
0: right. But you don't want to deal because with. Because yeah.
1: we feel that that person's hurt mm. or whoever's. You you brush let's, up against that and let's, go, let's oh no, I don't want to. I don't want to deal with let's that. Just you know talk about right? these situations yeah. as one-on-one choices. Yeah, sort of thing like us and another person. Mm. So we go, hey, we feel that and we deflect it and mm. then we move away from it.
0: Mm. Yeah, so yeah because, you because you don't want to feel it. it. You don't it's, want to it's, feel it's, what you've done. Exactly. Yeah. But if you do, feeling is healing, right? Coming yeah. back to the rainbow that's, tie-dye, right? This that's is, where it originally that's, came that's from. That's where it came from, right? This these
1: Was the sitting in the shit. Yeah. That's, you that's have what to. we spoke about ages ago. You have to. And I think we were telling ourselves, yeah. you know, the same way as the person who posts the fucking motivational memes on Facebook mm-hmm. is the person who needs those motivational memes. That's right. They're looking
0: the exactly. And do you know what? I've noticed that. I've noticed that.
1: That's yeah. yeah
0: I've that's, noticed that in myself, right?
1: If you find yourself in a spiral, looking, yeah, where you're yeah, looking, yeah, content, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're broadcasting outwardly what you need, yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. And it's it's true, it's true. And I think, yeah, look, that was really cool, man. I, I I just wanted to explore that stuff again, and that I think that's our that's our Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to our listeners. Just to just to rethink about some of that stuff, yeah. Come back around to it. You've you've got the experience. You know these things. It's now time for understanding. And just so, just talking about understanding. This year, the podcast, well, number one, we had more episodes in a year than any other year. So Ooh, that's cool. That's mature. Yeah, mature podcast. Yeah, uh, shows growth. We had uh, X, a massive amount of downloads more than we've ever had any other year before. So thank you very much. Uh, growth across countries. I mean, we had. Yeah, we've had. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to think about, you know, Bodie Sanders. Yeah, coming back like
1: dude, growth across guests, growth across guests. You know, the, amazing yeah. guests this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been
0: very really fun. I, you know, Grant Lavac, uh, Stein from the Netherlands. Uh, obviously, the general Grub. Um, I'm gonna miss. I'm gonna miss some stuff up. Laura, Bodie, Bodie. Oh man, there's just so many awesome people we've had on this year, and it's been. It's been such a testing year for me mentally right that the the doing what i've done with the show this year and, and and seeing the the growth the the blips coming up you know what i mean uh that is very cool uh and doing this book's been very cool man that has been a great filler right it's like the perf- perfect niche for us you know what i mean like it's it's a great filler in between me trying to line the guests up that i'm trying to get because it, it takes time man it takes time and i've looked i've probably lost at least 10 shows this year through scheduling and timing and people dropping out. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, like we're at episode 194 or some ridiculous number, you know, like you, what the work that goes in that has to go in behind the scenes for me personally, only other podcasters know what it is. You know what I mean? Like, and you, you, it's it's been a hell of a ride, but yeah, we're, and onwards and upwards. I've got some really cool guests coming. I've got uh, there's a guy out of the UK. He wrote a UFO book about the Foo Fighters, the World War II UFO stuff. He knows all about that. Um, yeah, we got the yeah we've got a long list that's uh, that's coming on next year. A number of different topics, and we're going to finish this. We're not going to get the book done by the end of the year because this is the last episode. Just this, not the last episode. That's not the last Before episode this for this year. Uh, because I need a break. I want to take Christmas off and we'll come back in January and we'll uh, we'll kick on. However, just a big massive thank you to you, sir. Uh, I always enjoy sitting down with you. Big thank you to the awesome fucking listeners around the globe. Like to think that this podcast is downloaded in pretty much every continent on the planet or has been or is is a little terrifying to think about daunting however we really appreciate even though it's still an indie podcast just so we understand too we're in the top seven and a half percent or whatever it was of podcasts worldwide um this year maybe a little bit higher actually considering the few download spikes we've had recently
1: well it's been yeah and it's been a big growth year yeah you know so
0: you know and that's that's kudos to you Mm. and look the awesome patreon you know, Ben and the boys like Jesse really appreciate that. There's another couple of boys and I'm really sorry I didn't look it up. However, I know I suck at that, but I really appreciate any support that you guys throw away. And uh look, we did a field trip, we went back to Jinnabara. There's stuff there's stuff ticking along, right? But I need a breather and I want to recharge and we'll hit the ground running next year. Um you Got anything to say, mate, before no, we jump mate. into the On book? On that note, let's throw it onto the book. Yeah, let's jump into the book, eh? Earth's forbidden Secrets. EFS nineteen thousand four hundred and two plus one. Okay.
1: And last time we finished off the uh what was it? A summary?
0: Summary, we're yeah. We're analysis. into the analysis, yeah. Uh we need to expand that for old eyes, mate. Um the Egyptian and Sumerian connections of South, uh, connections to the ancient civilizations of South America can be readily proven. So, we were talking about, uh, that's right, the deluge, the biblical cane. We went through the story of Sumerians. Yes. So, we're at the part three analysis. Hey, <laughs> this is us, man. Mm-hmm. When the going gets weird, the weird turns pro. And you know what? Just as one more throwback grasp your eccentricities people mm-hmm. grasp your eccentricities when the going gets weird the weird turn pro that was by hunter s thompson all right chapter 11 creation connections well there's the Antikythera mechanism i know that I've seen that before yeah. one or, one or ten times as has been repeatedly said throughout this work scholars now agree that both the biblical and Babylonian accounts of creation are borrowed from Sumerian tales. As we have seen, it is also undeniable that traces of the Sumerian story can still be found within the general narrative of the Bible. Also, as we have previously noted, it all lies in the translation. The example of Hebrew word Erechia easily translates to both firmament interpreted by Christians as heaven and hammered bracelet, which adequately describes the asteroid belt, uh, oh, they were, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and do they say we would we say Malak or Moloch? They were saying Moloch as that you know, that god Malak or Moloch. Remember the in this story? Yeah, it was a different uh, they were saying it different to us. It was Moloch, I think he was used. That's how he was saying it.
1: Mm. Okay, mm. you mean Marduk?
0: Marduk, yeah, Marduk. I think he yep. was using or something like he was whatever he was saying was different I think to us.
1: Both. I think it's Marduk and Moloch, M-O-L-O-C-H.
0: Yeah, I thought Moloch might be something as yeah. well.
1: But anyway, mm. oh, well, that's all good.
0: These translational errors can also be seen in the biblical account of the creation of Eve from a rib of Adam. As aptly demonstrated by Sitchin in the original Sumerian account, Eve, Tiamat, is created from the T of Adam. T can be translated as both rib and as life. So, in fact, the biblical account may well be a play on words. I don't think we're sharing this, dude. We're not. Look at that. We do that and we can share it. We get rid of that. Hang on. There we go. No vocal strokes, mate. Not doing too bad. So far. So far. There we go. Uh, So, in fact, the biblical account may well be a play on words. The correct translation may actually be that Eve was created from the life of Adam, essentially his essence, which also fits nicely with the Sumerian account and strongly hints at genetic engineering and the manipulation of DNA. Narkash has been translated as serpent and interpreted as a snake by Christians, yet we have seen that it also means he who solves secrets and he who knows metals and was in fact an epithet of the Sumerian god Enki. We have also seen Sitchin's claim that the tale of the serpent, the tree of life and the expulsion from Eden, were known about in Summa. It is also undeniable because it is documented and depicted on cylinder seals, as shown in figure 105. Even the name Eden can be seen as an obvious reference to the Anunnaki Medical Center in Mesopotamia, mentioned in Sumerian texts, which was called E-Din. Again, it is there in the biblical account of Adam, which can be seen as an obvious derivation. De- there you go, derivation, derivation, derivation of the Sumerian account of the Adamu created by Ninmar through genetic manipulation and even inclusion of clay in the successful result. The number of coincidences are just too great to ignore. The Sumerians also claim that the earth and the hammered heaven was created by a celestial body with a vast elongated orbit. Sitchin believes that the civilization of South America was in fact the civilization that was said to have been established in the third region by those based in the Persian Gulf, the gods, with Sumer being the first region, Egypt the second region, while the fourth region, the Sinai Peninsula, was retained by the gods. According to his calculations, the deity known as Thoth, also known as Ningshidira, Ningshidira, there we go, and Hermes, ruled by Egypt, for a time until he was deposed by his brother Ra, also known as Marduk or Marduk. This event is said to have occurred in 3115 BC, significantly just two years before the Mayan calendar was started in 3113 BC. If the Sumerian account is true, then it is quite reasonable to assume that upon fleeing his brother Ra in Egypt, the most logical place for him to have first gone to seek refuge was the abode of his father who had already set up a substantial operation centre in the Abzu, which was now identified as Southern Africa. It is quite possible, then, that he then gathered supplies, assembled a group of followers, and made his way to South America to become known as Quetzalcoatl, the feathered serpent. It is also reasonable to assume that if such an event occurred, then we should find traces of it, which indeed we do. One tantalising hint... Of this is the remarkable fact that the mayan calendar was started in 3113 bc which coincides very closely with the date thoth is reported to have fled egypt in fact just two years later this makes highly likely that the mayan calendar and long count were also begun by the great master of science and mathematics thoth further weight is added to this claim by the fact that ancient sumerian akkadian and egyptian texts all indicate that it was also he who began the first Sumerian calendar in Nippur under scrutiny, the Mayan calendar can also be seen to have many similarities to the calendar of Nippur, too many to be mere coincidence. There is also the fact that the original builders of many of the ancient sites attributed to the Mayan culture were in fact the mysterious Olmecs, and it is now obvious the Olmecs were of African descent. This is made abundantly clear by depictions on ancient Olmec stelae. Many of these depict animals that are totally unknown in South America, such as elephants and giraffes, plus the ethnicity of the race can easily be ascertained from the bizarre and very enigmatic Olmec heads that have been fatted, 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 (laughs) that have been found scattered through the South American jungle simply by comparing the features to those of a normal African male. Yeah, the the Olmec heads do look uh, African, with the nose and stuff like that. Of particular interest are the tales pertaining to the legendary father of the South American civilization, Manco Capac, whose stories tell us he was presented with a golden wand by Viracocha or Quetzalcoatl, who are most likely one and the same, with which to to found the civilization in a ceremony on the Island of the Sun or Lake Titicaca, high in the Andes. Just need a drinky poo. Manco Capac and the Golden Wand. It's a golden fleece.
1: (laughs) That was the Greek one. That
0: was the Greek one, yeah. There are a number of different variations on the tale of Manco Capac, but the gist of the story is that Manco Capac was a South American survivor of the deluge far back in time on an island on Lake Titicaca he was given a golden object by the gods and told to go forth from there and find a place where the object would sink into the ground, and in that place he was to found a new and city and new civilization. The place that he founded was Cusco. The elaborate ceremony involved in the presentation of a golden wand to Manco Capac from Viracocha Quetzalcoatl. The wand Manco Capac was given then enabled him to found the great civilizations of the Andes. There's also been adequately confirmed by scholars that the Andean civilization did indeed sprout from Lake Titicaca and Cusco. There's a question, no oh, I just thought about then the the stuff like the the cities that are up in the mountains, mm. there's a theory where they were once on the ground, because like they find shells and stuff up there, right? In the in the dirt and the sand that they around those in the South America, up in the mountains. Yeah. There's a, there's a theory that they were pushed up. Like, once upon a time, they were actually lower, and they rode uh the...
1: Oh, because of their... how ancient they are. Yeah. They've risen up with, like, crust...
0: Yeah, yeah, crustal displacement. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Potentially during the cataclysm, right? If it was that serious. Which, again, I don't think we understand how serious it was, so...
1: Look, I think... It sort of lends itself to the cataclysm, <laughs> cause some kind of uh, crustal shift, and you kind of there's a theory that like you make mountains by like stretching and shrinking the crust as it passes over the. You all good? Yeah. Oh sweet. Sorry, you were looking at something. I'm thinking. Oh, it's bad. I don't uh, know. No, no. Yeah. Anyway, so. The theory about making mountains from stretching and shrinking the crust as it sort of goes out to the equatorial bulge, if you're getting crustal shift, then that lends to that idea yeah, yeah, is absolutely. is all I'm saying. Yeah, 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 absolutely.
0: And i I, I just yeah, there's just something made me think about that, you know. I don't know whether it is or it isn't, but, I mean, we've just got to co- collect those perspectives, you know. This is it. This en- enigmatic wand object... Given to Manco Capac, an object which enabled him to found a city, has always been depicted as resembling a short pole with an offset triangular head. Judging from all the existing depictions of this one, it is now agreed by most scholars that it is in fact an object greatly resembling an axe or a mattock. A so it then seems highly likely that the ceremony actually involved the presentation of tools and the knowledge of how to use them. Certainly such a gift would have been much more beneficial in the founding of a city than any type of wand that comes to mind. Depends on what the wand could do, Max, I suppose. Many of the illustrations were shown of Manco Capac also reinforces this conclusion. A great deal of significance is placed on the presentation of tools in the legend, and the fact that it was tools that were being presented on the celebrated occasion also strongly suggests that Quetzalcoatl had another agenda other than merely founding of a city. Yo, that's an axe. That's not a. I was
1: gonna say okay. if that, <laughs> that's I'll, I'll tell you another fucking theory, yeah, based just, just purely off those pictures we're seeing. Yeah. Um. You take a battle axe. And you get people to do shit for you. That's how you build a city.
0: <laughs> that's right. You hold a big, massive axe in your hand, and people do things that yeah. you ask them to do.
1: That's right. Yeah, control, bro. <laughs> that's what that's telling me. Uh, that ain't automatic. Yeah,
0: no, that's a that's a there's a there's a there's a, uh, was, a bayonet on the end, and yeah. there's 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 the skull crusher on one think, side, and think, there's the axe dude, on the I other side. Like med-
1: medieval times, man. I think that's called that's a halberd or something. Yeah, I was trying like to think of what it is. Yeah, the, the end,
0: spear on the, the, on the side. end, and then the and then the hammer on the other end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. That's yeah, right. there's the skull crusher there. Yeah. There's your blade, and there's your stabbing. Right, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a good implement. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Uh, Quetzalcoatl so telling Manco Capac to found a city at a place where his axe or matak would sink into the ground also suggests the need to find a place to dig. Manco Capac may have well been told to find a suitable place to build a city in a location conducive to the commencement of mining or tunnelling operations. The Sumerian account translated by Sitchin has led him to believe that the entire Cusco and Tiwanaku facilities were set up as sophisticated ore refining facilities, involved mainly with the collection and shipment of gold to Nibiru and refining and the refining manufacture and distribution of bronze due to ongoing troubles that had been manifesting in Mesopotamia at the time. Surprising, there is a substantial amount of evidence to reinforce this conclusion.
1: Can I just pause there for a moment? Let's just think about another thing that you might need if you're going to build a city. need food. Mm -hmm. So if you can put a matic in I'm sorry, when we spoke matic originally, I was like farming. Yeah. Agriculture. Agriculture. Like we talk about going from... Mm -hmm for hunter-gatherers into agriculture mm-hmm. and providing a surplus so as then we can do these other activities. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, if someone was passing on something, Food. they'd be passing on that mm-hmm. other than mining fucking Anunnaki gold. Mm-hmm. Like you can't eat Anunnaki gold. If you want a population, you've got to yeah, teach you need, them. Yeah, if before you, need you someone can to teach mine. mining, yeah. you've got to teach agriculture mm-hmm. first. Don't yeah. aren't we build, Aren't we doing building blocks here? Mm-hmm. Not fucking jumping straight to mm-hmm. gold mining. So also, I'm just saying, Max, that this little bit that's a bit squirrely for me, man.
0: But the thing is, same same again though, an army marches on its stomach. So it doesn't matter how many axes you got, right? If you, exactly. can't, if you can't feed them, you've got to feed them. Doesn't matter. No. Right. Um where are we? Niberia were bronze and due to ongoing troubles that have been manifesting in Mesopotamia at the time. Surprisingly a substantial amount of evidence to reinforce this conclusion. Quite noticeably, many stones at the site do actually still have traces of the H-shaped bronze clamps. You see those everywhere, yep. all over the world, actually, that were used in places to keep the blocks in place by fitting a special, it's like a, a H-shaped cutouts in the blocks themselves, and yet are repeatedly told by academics that the only metal the Indians used was gold, and they used no metal tools. So how, then, did the bronze clamps found in the Mayan ruins come into being? Clamps that have been found in Mayan ruins are incidentally exactly the same as those in Mesopotamia. Yeah. Even containing the same amounts of copper, again, strongly suggesting a connection between the two cultures. It's not just Mesopotamia as well. I'm trying to think where else they're found. It's in that region, though, that like those little H-clamps, they're found in weird places. Yeah. In his book, The Lost Realms, Sitchin also points out the fact that beneath Tiwanaku is a series of complicated tunnels and sluice sections lined with the sm- smooth and mica obviously made for channeling waters that would have been ideal for the refining and separation of minerals and trace elements from the various ores. Sitchin goes into a great deal of detail and presents some dramatic evidence to support his hypothesis of these mining operations. It is not the purpose of this book to present you with the abundant of well-supporting evidence that is presented in his books, but merely to alert you to the validity of his research. I highly recommend reading his books The evidence he presents to support his conclusions is amply proven in his book, The Lost Realms, but a presentation of some of more of the obvious facts may be in order. Look, we may have to find a copy of The Lost Realms, I think, mate. Uh, Just have a bit of a look.
1: Could be worth a look.
0: There's those H-clamps. Connecting the dots. Returning first to the possibility that the tribes of the Americas are indeed the lost tribes of Israel and the descendants of the biblical Cain, we can consider this verse from Genesis: Genesis, and Cain went away from the presence of Yahweh and dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she bore him Enoch, and he built a city. And called the city by his son's name, Enoch. The Aztec capital was called Tenochtitlan, literally meaning "City of Tinoch. <laughs> That's a little. The, the dot joining through, as we approach the end of this, because we looked at, we're going to need one more episode, however, we'll get, we'll get this done by 20 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, the dots that he's joining is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And always has been. Uh, the city is thought by many to have been built by a leader who named it after himself, but they failed to further take into account that the Aztecs used to refer to themselves as Tinocas, meaning the descendants of Tinoch. For this reason, many others consider Tenoch to have been a founding father of some kind in the far distant past. When one considers the Aztec custom of prefixing many of their people and place names with the letter T, it is not unreasonable to suggest that Tenoch may have been, actually have been the biblical Enoch, the actual son of Cain. To investigate the possibility of this, we only need to examine the myths and cosmology of the South American legend to see if any relationships can be found. The only civilization we have any real records of is the culture of Sumer. The fact that the people of ancient Sumer had advanced astronomical knowledge is certain. Now we find that the people who inhabited the ancient indigenous ignomatic civilizations of South America possessed exactly the same knowledge exactly as it was known in Sumer. This fact is also certain and can be readily proven such unique Calendar systems, for example, proved that they had contact with and retained tales from the civilization that existed in ancient Sumer. For example, as with the calendar that started in Sumer, the Mayan calendar has 52 weeks and there was also the sacred cycle of 52 years. The sacred number of Thoth is also 52 and there is legend of a special game of 52 that Thoth would play. The ancient Sumerians had knowledge of all the planets of our solar system, even the one whose presence only just been confirmed in late 2005 which, what was 2005? Is he talking about Planet Nine? It must be. Possibly. They even knew the positions, the relative sizes of them and depictions of them on cylinder seals and clay tablets clearly show. These claims can be readily confirmed by simply studying the Sumerian seals. Very notably, the Sumerians always depicted Earth by the number seven. Yeah, I knew that. How do we get to the number seven? Outside in. That's how we get to the number seven. Consider for a moment a depiction of our solar system. In modern times, the planets are always depicted in a straight line counting from the sun outwards, as shown previously in figure 103. The order form was to draw them in their relative sizes, in a circular fashion going around the sun with an arrow pointing in the direction of their orbits. With our knowledge up to this point, and our newly discovered planetary body not yet included, would the drawing not look something like this? So armed with this knowledge of the new body that indeed does exist in our solar system now compare it with the rendition of the ancient Sumerian depiction found on a cylinder seal as the diagrams show the only real discrepancy, discrepancy yeah, there's a space there, that yeah, be there
1: through, yeah through me too uh,
0: is in the Sumerian placement of Pluto which is shown between Saturn and Uranus however if one considers that Pluto used to be once a satellite of Saturn that now has an elliptical orbit that overlaps that of Saturn then the placement of the Sumerian diagram is easily explained. The extra, plan, the extra planet depicted on the Sumerian seal, placed notably more distant than the other planets, is also indicating an elongated orbit similar to that of Pluto and showing quite quite a large planetary body. Well, Max is having a problem with the space bar. Yeah, I know he is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, speaking of Max, I've got a line on Max. I've, yeah. I've got another way to contact Max. I'm going to try and get Max on. Considering we dedicated 20 episodes to his book, you know what I mean?
1: I think it's, I think it'd be worthwhile. Yeah. 100%.
0: Yeah. It's
1: good to see where he's grown. Yeah. That's right. 2005. Yeah. Where his ideas have grown, theories have grown.
0: Yeah. No, no. So I've got another line on Max. So I'm going to try that again next year. Like
1: Pluto, we don't call it Pluto anymore. Like, as in Pluto's not a planet. It's, it's not a planet a, anymore. It's a planetoid.
0: One of my favorite what? memes of the last three years is like, I don't know about demoting the Pluto, which is the Roman god of war, calling it not a planet was a good idea or not. It's,
1: Wasn't it Mars? I thought Mars was the god of war.
0: No, no, no. Pluto is in its, not, it's not Roman to Greek. I can't remember, whichever it was. But anyway, know, man. demoting that planet was not a good idea. Pluto's still a planet, man. There's another, there's like, so, there used to be a planet. I'm still here. We used to call it Pluto. I haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Pluto is quite we'll, clearly a planet. It's just a little we'll one.
1: Be, well, it'll be interesting to see what we can do with old James Webb if we start looking out into those areas. For, yeah. Um,
0: some of the pictures, that are, the initial photos that have come off the of James Webb are pretty impressive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if we start looking in our solar system, it would be interesting to see what we find, I guess. Mm. Because, mm. yeah, there'd be some... It, because it works with infrared, be able
0: to. Was a different set of light through. spectrum.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in the infrared. Is where it works.
0: Well, oh, there's the rocket That's clock. The
1: rocket clock, mate. We actually got it tonight. Good stuff. Well, sir. Do well, you want we we finish actually, off a part of it. Well, we, did, we, 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 just, we 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 just we we've
0: finished the pause there, anyway. there. anyway. We're just looking at the solar system. Uh, so you can you can take over. Well, mate. There's a
1: there's another one like to do with naming of the planets, right? And the fact that, oh, sorry, not the planets. <laughs> I've completely segued onto something and now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it was the naming of the months, not the naming of the planets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry about
0: that. We'll go into that another time. That's no, all right. That's all right. I was just making sure that that was still recording. It is still recording. Yep, all good. Uh, Yep very cool send me the controls Ah.
1: settling in here we go since evidence has shown that people of ancient suma have achieved a substantial degree of scientific accuracy with every other claim they have made including the relative sizes of the planets as I shouldn't have drank that. uh, Yes, you you scalded. it. (laughs) It's coming back on me, including the relative sizes of the planets, as can be seen in the diagram. It is quite reasonable to assume that they may well be accurate in their depiction of the relative size of our newly found solar, solar member two. Modern scholars always refer to the earth as the third planet, as we number our solar system from the sun outwards. however, The legends told by the Sumerians and the Mesoamericans repeatedly state that their knowledge of astronomy came from their gods. The Sumerians inform of us that their gods reside on the newly found member of our solar system that they name as Nibiru, the planet of the crossing. Sitchin notes that for those who live on Nibiru, the solar system was counted from the outer planets inwards and so Earth was always referred to as the seventh planet and was thus depicted by the Sumerians by the number seven. Seven dots or sometimes even seven-pointed star, Venus was shown with eight points, Mars with six, Jupiter with five, etc. This number is very significant because we also find it in Mayan culture, used in a similar celestial reference. Again, it seems highly unlikely that two such vastly different cultures would come up with such similar references by themselves without having some type of contact. It may not now surprise some to know that even the very same story of creation was also well known to the civilizations that existed in South America. Again, it is very unlikely for such a thing to have happened by chance. Knowledge of the creation story by the Mayans was explained by some as being no real surprise, as the Christian influences in Mayan culture were obvious. But new evidence shows that it's much more likely the Mayan creation story actually had its roots, not in the Christian tale, but in fact, in the much earlier tale of the event, as it was first related in Sumer. This opinion can be further reinforced by the actual personal account written by Don Juan de Santa Cruz. Pakakuti Paka Yamqui. Oh, that one killed me. Sal Cam...
0: Some. Pacha Cuti S- Yamqui. Pachacuti. Pachacuti Pacha Pacha Yamqui. Yep. Sala, Selka, wow. <laughs>
1: Sometimes referred to as Santa Cruz, and that's what we'll be sticking with. Santa Cruz is exactly sometimes as South American word. So, who was the son of the Spanish nobleman and an Inca princess? The story contains information that has somehow been ignored by many scholars who continue to claim that the Mayans only ever worshipped the sun, but certainly may have had some kind of early Christian connections. Yet, If it is indeed true that the Mayan culture is actually a legacy from the original civilization of the Olmecs, then it should be taken into account that the Olmecs existed long before Christianity. Even the most conservative scholars date the civilization to around 500 BC. So how then would such a Christian connection have come about? It was due to the Spanish discovery of the greatly revered sunstone made from pure gold that many scholars have always assumed the Maya to have worshipped the sun god. However, when the Spanish looted the Aztec Empire, unbeknownst to them, certain artifacts had been removed and replaced with others. One of these artifacts was the sunstone. What the Spanish found was certainly spectacular enough. A disc depicting the Mayan calendar in intricate detail made from pure gold that measured 72 inches in diameter and was thick as three coins. But in reality, it was simply that. Golden calendar showing the sacred cycles of the zodiac, the divine information that had been given to them by the gods. It was not it was not the item that had originally taken pride of place on the temple wall. Yes, the sun was revered by certain rulers. Yes, the sunstone held the central position in the temple, when the Spanish arrived, yes, it was made from pure gold, but then in Cuzco, practically everything that was hanging anywhere was made from pure gold. Oh, my eyes just went crazy. I got an <laughs> account written by that South American Santa dude, Cruz. Santa Cruz, which is entitled Relation, translated in English by Clemens Markham. He states... That it was the very first king of the Incas dynasty who decorated the temple wall, and it was he who ordered the making of a flat plate of gold, which signified that there was a creator of heaven and earth. Santa Cruz illustrated his dialogue with a large diagram showing the layout of the wall that held the golden plate and other items as it had originally been. His drawing is incredibly significant because lo and behold, it shows that the original item that took pride and place on the wall was not a round sunstone, but in fact an oval but in fact was oval in shape. According to Santa Cruz's book, the ovoid plaque was later replaced with the round sunstone when a certain ruler had later declared the sun to be supreme over all gods. Then the sunstone was later removed by oh, not yet, yeah, yeah, by yeah. a subsequent ruler who abhorred the worship of idols and ordered his people not to pay homage to the sun and the moon, but instead to return to the ways of old and revere the celestial body, the true creator, and represented by the ovoid plaque, who, who was also this emperor who ordered the images to be placed around the golden plate. In his first-hand account, it is very significant that by his referring to the golden oval plaque as a representation of the creator of all, Santa Cruz has made it abundantly clear that he did not mean the sun. This can be easily ascertained as the images of both the sun and the moon were also depicted on either side of the oval plate. But why was the creator of all represented as a plain oval
0: plaque? Because it's the triptych, man. The sun and the moon well, with the creator in the middle. Let's find out where they're going. But yes, I
1: believe you may be right. Sitchin purports that the oval relates to the Sumerian story of the Earth's creation and that the, the temple wall was in fact a depiction of the solar system and the creation of man. It may surprise you to know that all evidence suggests that he is absolutely correct. In the sketch done by Santa Cruz also reproduced by Sitchin and which I have again reproduced for you here we are shown the temple altar at the bottom whilst just above it you are above it are the other elements of the earth. We can see that the first man and woman Lake Titicaca where legend holds the Manco Capo received his golden wand from the gods, the winged serpent, and the tree of life are all visible. We see night and day represented by stars on one side and clouds on the other. The earth is also clearly displayed and noticeably depicted by seven stars beneath it. The image also shows water retreating from the mountains while the entire globe is surmounted by a rainbow, strongly suggesting the retreat of the global deluge. In the upper section, we see four planets beneath the oval plate and five above it, signifying the four inner planets and the five outer planets, separated by the vast elliptical path of Nibiru. In this Mayan temple, we therefore see the entire cosmology of the earth, exactly as it was perceived by the Sumerians. Yeah, right. So you got four stars above. Yeah. Hang on, that's five. Sorry, five stars above, four below. Signifying yeah. the uh inside and outside. Yeah. Sun. we sun and moon. We got um, stars and clouds. Yeah. I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: That's uh it's interesting. Very interesting. And there are other clues to the Sumerian connection in South America. In ancient Sumerian depictions of Ninmar, showing the creation of the Adamu race, we see the sign of Ninmar and her role in the birth proceedings, signified by the Sumerian symbol of the um- umbilical cutter. As in a Sumerian depiction, my rendition of the event, with Ninmah identified by the tree opposite Enki, a representation of the planet Nibiru can also be seen as the winged disc. In Egyptian depictions of the female deity Hathor, we again find the umbilical cutter and Hathor has also been clearly identified as being the Sumerian goddess Ninma. Would it now surprise you to know that there is a remarkable stele from the Mayan culture known as Izapa stele, number five, a cast of which is shown here, that amply confirms the Sumerian and Egyptian connections. There we have a little diagram in figure 141. In the depiction, we see the tree of life. There is an older bearded God of large stature relating the story of creation to a Mayan native of smaller stature seated opposite him. Between them, we again see the same Sumerian representation of the umbilical cutter shown in the detail of figure 143. Interestingly, the two central figures of the stelae are shown as having the faces and hands of elephants, which is an animal that is totally unknown to South America, and which also reinforces the notions of an African connection to the Olmecs, as previously stated at the bottom of the stelae. We clearly see some smooth-sided pyramids beside a flowing river, like those found at Giza beside the Nile, Smooth-sided pyramids are not found anywhere in South American construction. Now, just as we scroll to the next uh, section, Mm. look, we're talking about elephants. There was mastodons in North America. Yeah, there was. So if we're talking an unknown period of time back into history where possibly some of these ancient cultures may have existed, they may have existed alongside mastodons. So just just putting it out there is like a like a glitch
0: in in the information the pachyderm- that's coming we're in. talking about pachyderms aren't we so elephants mastodons mammoths yeah. right so they're found in a lot of places right you know there's the mammoths were found in europe you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so maybe pachyderms in general were a yeah. i mean uh, a throwback i mean are they an evolution of a dinosaur maybe you know what I mean, or uh, like they're a big animal. Right? It's, yeah, uh, the wrong, the wrong family, wrong though, family. But you in, know, we're over in mammals. Where yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So we're a long way. But, uh, but the, that, is, the, that point aside, they were well spread. Yeah, and the ancients could have been well traveled mm-hmm. as well. Just because they didn't exist where they were, mm-hmm. doesn't mean like look at look at how far. um What's his name? Alexander the Great mm. marched them all the way up to Italy.
0: Well, I mean, if, if, if pachyderms are a common animal across multiple continents, are you going to use a horse? You're going to use an elephant? Yeah. You know what exactly. I mean? Like, it's
1: more intimidating. And what can carry more? It's obviously why they used elephants. Yeah. But yeah, so they you know, let's, let's not just, let's not rule out that fact mm-hmm. that they were fairly widespread. So mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily, show a link. But then there's other information in there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. But that was just a little, I was like, no, nah, there was it's not necessarily just Africa. Well again, it's
0: perspectives, you know?
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. So continuing on, the similarity between these depictions is undeniable. And the remarkable scene this Stella depicts, which includes information relative to Sumer and Giza, really should not be understated or lightly dismissed. It is absolutely inconceivable to think that two such legends could coexist, even utilising similar tools in two separate places that supposedly never had contact with each other. Obviously, such contact did take place, but it happened so long ago that the only records we have of the event have been pieced together from fragments of texts and stelae and from mythology and legends. The Lost Minds of the Gods The claim by Sitchin that the area of Lake Titicaca was set up as a major metallurgy centre is quite an extraordinary piece of detective work, and the supporting evidence is astounding. Again, the conclusion that the entire complex was set up as part of a major control centre to deal with Matters of travel and supply is further hinted at by the depiction of the Mayan stele of the figure being the Star of David, symbol on his earring mm-hmm. in figure 133.
0: Just thinking, yeah, since then, the lidar has been done over South America. Mm-hmm. You got those highways that run for 20 k's straight line everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, yep, kilometers worth of highways, good for transport. 100%. Yeah. They're moving
1: around. Mm. That's right. Mm. Star of David symbol is extraordinarily similar to an earlier Sumerian emblem, which is quite likely the original precursor to the Jewish symbol. The Sumerian symbol, which signifies a supreme place of the four regions, has also been found at many ancient trade centers in the Persian Gulf areas such as ancient Sumerian city of Ur, the modern Jerusalem at Uruk, the biblical Erek, and at other places that are all thought to have been vital control centers of the Sumerians that dealt with matters of travel and supplies. Plus, there is further evidence to support the conclusion that the site was indeed used for refining metals.
0: They find mercury. I think they find mercury that one of those things. Um, in
1: South America, I'm pretty sure there there's was like pools a, of mercury in a pyramid river somewhere. of mercury underneath yeah. one of the pyramids, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, we continue. The mountain on which Tiwanako is situated is itself very, extremely rich in tin bearing ores. Tin, of course, is not a naturally accessible metal like gold. It must be smelted and extracted by various chemical processes and then mixed with a required percentage of copper to produce bronze. It's not just a straightforward and simple procedure. Ancient bronze lamps are still evident on on many stone slabs. They're intriguing because only minimal supplies of copper with... Excuse me.
0: Oh, whoo
1: with which they could have been made, are available anywhere near the location of Cusco. In startling contrast to this lack of local copper source, many of the river rocks on the shore of Lake Titicaca, especially near the remains of the ancient docks and port facilities at Pumapunca, are stained a deep bluish green. What causes rocks to turn a bluish green? The only thing that can cause such a reaction is pro- prolonged exposure to copper. End of list. It's similar to the way rocks rich in iron turn red as the iron oxo- oxidises with the water. Rocks rich in copper turn a bluish green. Yet the rocks at Lake Titicaca contain no copper. It therefore stands to reason that there was once a good deal of copper brought into Cuzco via the Pumapunka port facility. Then, of course, we need to ask why would all this copper have been brought in if not to mix with the abundant source of tin that already existed there in order to make bronze? It would certainly seem more reasonable than taking the ore-bearing tin to the source of the copper. The manufacture of bronze at the site is further confirmed from the presence of the bronze clamps. Yeah, right when considering this shoreline of greenish rocks at Lake Titicaca high in the Andes and the possibilities of an ancient metallurgy facility founded by the gods and the descendants of which such distant and remote minds are even the forgotten descendants of Cain seem to be suggested. The passage occurs. When job, when Job is talking to Yahweh, Complaining about all of the trials and tribulations heaped upon him. And Yahweh says to Job. Surely there is a source for silver. A place where gold is refined. Where copper is obtained from ores and iron is smelted out of stones. To darkness he puts an end. The usefulness he researches of stones in depths and obscurity. I'll just finish that off. Yeah, finish it off. Man. He breaches the brook away from habitation where the forgotten and strange men move about. There is a land from which the ingots come whose underground is upheaved as with fire. A place where the blue-green stones are that has the oars of gold. Even a vulture knows not the way thereto and a falcon's eye has not discerned it. There he set his hand to the granite and overturned the mountains at their roots. He cut galleries through the rocks, and all that his precious eyes had seen, he dammed up the sources of the streams, and that which, he, and that which is hidden he brought to the light. These biblical verses... Coupled with ancient Sumerian texts, significant geological evidence, local legends and the substantial genetic differences to be found in the races native to the Americas provides a strong case that the South American civilization was indeed established by the lost tribes of Israel, and possibly even the son of Cain himself. I wonder how that stands up with DNA these days. Yeah I wonder, eh I
0: mean this is the thing. like how do you the it's, it's very interesting. Change over. Uh it's very interesting that that's written in the Bible, right? I mean, it comes back to these dots, you know, that these dots are, it's interesting, eh?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's very interesting. You know, where do we where do we join the dots and how do we join the dots? And how is it that Sitchin is the one who picked up on this stuff? You know what I mean? Like it's 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 interesting, you know. And I wonder, again, where's the research from then until now, right? What's the last 17 years? Because, I mean, we heard about the fact the Bible's got like a binary. It's like a computer thing as well. Didn't he say that at the start as well? But well, I could trying to remember. Was that this book? Or was that I can't remember where I read that. It's 18 episodes. I know, I know. All right. So under chapter 12, the signs of war. Many religious texts and mythologies from numerous cultures repeatedly speak of a devastating wars that were fought by the gods in our distant past. Such events are also mentioned in the recently discovered Sumerian accounts, so it may not now surprise you to learn that certain puzzling geological evidence supports this hypothesis and does suggest that sometime far in its distant past, several parts of the earth indeed experienced the scalding effects of great heat similar to the temperatures that are reached during atomic or thermonuclear blast. There are many, such as David Hatcher Childress, who have claimed that this evidence of an ancient war that was fought with nuclear and perhaps other even more advanced weaponry. The evidence to support and substantiate such a radical theory, and yes, even the Sumerian accounts of events, is actually startlingly abundant and quite compelling. The evidence for ancient advanced warfare. First, let us consider the following notable comments that were included in an article that appeared in the New York Tribune, February 16th, 1947. When the first atomic bomb exploded in New Mexico, the desert sand turned to fused green glass. This fact, according to the magazine Free World, has given certain archaeologists a turn. They may have been digging in the ancient Euphrates Valley and have uncovered a layer of Agarian culture 8,000 years old, and a layer of herdsman culture much older, and a still older caveman culture, recently they reached another layer, a layer of fused green glass. By studying the results of atomic tests, is well now established fact that the detonation of an atomic device on or above the desert will produce a sufficient amount of heat to melt and fuse the silicon in the sand and transform the surface of the ground into a sheer sheet of greenish glass in proximity to where the blast occurred. So the question is... Could such sheets of glass that have been found in the deserts and deep in archaeological digs be real testimony that such events occurred in ancient times? The idea is not entirely lacking in evidence. Such ancient sheets of glass are a reality and a known geological fact. Large numbers of such discoveries have been quite well documented. This is not to say that all desert glasses are mysterious. Scientists and meteorologists know that the desert glass can be quite naturally formed when lightning strikes the desert. For example, sometimes fusing the sand, it strikes. Yeah, people do that, eh? They're putting stakes out in the sand and collect the glass, eh? Yeah. The geological oddities recovered that are created by these strikes are often called fulgurites. Fulgurites. Fulgurites? Yeah. But lightning strikes invariably cause fulgurites in distinctive root-like patterns that appear as unusual glass gobbles and splashes that spread out in bizarre branching and tubular forms. A desert lightning strike can never ever create the flat sheet of fused sand under the most abnormal of conditions. As reported in the book, Mysteries of Time and Space by Brad Steiger and Ron Kelly. One of the very first engineers to graduate from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology was a man by the name of Albion W. Hart. Upon his graduation, Hart immediately assigned an engineering project to the interior of Africa. Only in order to access the site, he and his men were required to travel quite a remote and almost inaccessible region that lay across a vast expanse of desert. There was an article written on Hart's life by Margaret Casson that appeared in the magazine Rocks and Minerals, number 396, 1972, that mentions this occasion. In the article, she writes, at the time he was puzzled and quite unable to explain a large expanse of greenish glass which covered the sands as far as the eye could see. Later on during his life, he passed by the White Sands area after the first atomic explosion there and recognised the same type of silica fusion which he had seen 50 years earlier in the African desert. According to the very ancient Indian epics, of the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. Fantastic, extremely devastating battles were fought in the distant past using plasma-powered aircraft, chemical warfare, and particle-beam plasma and atomic weapons, just as such weapons of mass destruction were used for war in the 20th century with horrific and deadly results. Okay. Now, hold on a minute there. You're saying ancient nuclear weapons, plasma weapons, particle weapons are such things even remotely possible? Sadly, we know from first-hand experience that atomic energy is quite possible, but how conceivable is the development of even more advanced weaponry? There are actually some distinct possibilities. The ancient and mysterious Greek fire, for example, was a substance that said now very powerful and also quite indistinguishable even underwater. The substance was described as a chemical fireball and was probably used at least as far back as the 5th century BC. Unfortunately, the formula for Greek fire was lost. It has never been rediscovered since. There's also those lamps uh, they found, excuse me, like Roman tombs. I was trying to remember. There was like the lamp that never went out, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you did an article on that in one of these episodes. The plasma gun is even now a reality and has already been developed experimentally for peaceful purposes, of course. A group of Ukrainian scientists from the Geotechnical Mechanics Institute have already experimentally drilled tunnels in iron ore mines by using a device called a plasmatron. The plasmatron is a plasma gun which delivers a gas jet at a temperature of 6,000 degrees Celsius. The actual plasma in this case is an electrified gas. The plasmatron literally melts stone in front of it, collecting the molten rock and machine coating the tunnel walls behind it as it progresses. The result is a perfectly round tunnel coated in a thick layer of smooth glass. Electrified gases are also featured substantially in the Vimaka Shastra, the ancient book from India discussed earlier. It describes vast amounts of technical information and the various techniques used in maintaining and piloting an ancient type of Indian flying craft known as the Vimana. The texts also talk of using the liquid metal mercury as fuel for the craft. Interestingly enough, electrified mercury could very easily be used as a plasma and with excellent results. There's an excellent book on the topics discussed by the Ramana Shastra. It was released by David Hatcher Childress, called the anti-gravity handbook. Well, we need that one. We, we, we need that. Okay. We definitely need that. That I think is probably going to be the next book. The anti-gravity handbook. We need that right now. Um, Further possibilities on weapons and methods used for waging ancient war are discussed at length by Robin Collins in the book Ancient Astronauts, A Time Reversal. Collins discusses the very real possibility of weapons such as fusion devices, and in the book he informs us that the fusion torch has been a further development of the plasma jet. Collins also says that in 1970, a theory to develop a fusion torch was presented at the New York Aerospace Science meeting by Drs. Bernard J Eastland, and William C. Koff. The basic idea is to generate heat of at least 50 million degrees Celsius, well, that's all right. which could be contained and controlled. Bloody hell. That is to say, the energy released from the device could be used for many peaceful applications with zero radioactive waste products to avoid contaminating the environment and zero production of radioactive elements such as plutonium, which is a product of nuclear reaction and is the deadliest substance known to man. So they're talking about fusion technology, obviously. We 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 looked into fusion earlier. There's a couple of episodes on fusion and anti-gravity tech this year that are very quite fascinating. We now we know that it's entirely possible because thermonuclear fusion is known to occur both naturally in stellar processes and unnaturally in things like man-made atomic explosions. According to Collins, it has been calculated that the fusion of a deuterium nucleus, a heavy hydrogen isotope, which can be easily extracted from seawater. And another deuterium nucleus, or with tritium, another isotope of hydrogen, or perhaps helium, could be used for the device. The resulting fusion torch, made from such a combination, would be an ionized plasma jet, which would vaporize absolutely anything and everything that the jet was directed at. That's if it was used for military purposes. Whilst for peaceful peace, blah, 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 there's one. Whilst while far out, while. For peaceful applications, one example of the use of the torch could be to be reclaimed valuable basic elements from junk metals. i.e., oh, yeah, so just blast metals and they melt down to their base forms. In 1974, the University of Texas scientists announced that they had actually developed the first experimental fusion torch which gave heat output of 93 degrees Celsius. This is five times... That's five times the previous hot temperatures temperatures chain for a contain gas, and is twice the minimum heat that is needed for fusion. But the temperature was only maintained for one fifty millionth of a second. Instead, the full of the full one second, which we required for the reaction. Whilst further investigation, if you only can did something for one fifty millionth of a second, did you actually do it? Like, <laughs> I mean, come on, what are we, what are we talking about here? If I said, yeah, I did it, man. I did it for one fifty millionth of a second. I'm not entirely sure that that. Um,
1: yeah.
0: It happened. yeah, I don't think it happened. Whilst further investigating the possibility of other steel types of advanced weaponry, Collins also happens to mention the following. Soviet scientists have discussed and proposed that the United Nations ban on developing new warfare ideas such as creating holes or windows in the ozone layer to provide specific areas of the earth with increased natural ultraviolet radiation, which would then kill all life forms and turn the land into a barren desert. The fact that he's just said that means that it Soviet scientists just proposed a ban on development. So that means they've already developed and they don't want anyone else to do it.
1: Yes. That's what they, they obviously did that to Australia at one point. Yeah.
0: We're 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 just
1: going to keep going. Mm. You can't kill us. We might be criminals, but you can't kill us. Uh,
0: That's
1: why they're banning it. They're like, well, it doesn't work.
0: Didn't work on the Aussies. (laughs) Didn't work on the Aussies. Uh, Other ideas discussed at the meeting were of the use of infrasound to demolish ships by creating acoustic fields on the sea and hurling a huge chunk of rock into the sea with a cheap atomic device. The resultant tidal wave could demolish the coastal fringe of a country. Other tidal waves could be created by detonating nuclear devices at the frozen poles. Controlled floods, hurricanes, earthquakes, and droughts directed towards specific targets and cities and other possibilities. Well, chemtrails are real now. That's the other thing that's real that no one cares about. Um, they're quite open about the fact that the chemtrails are real and that they're trying to control the weather. Mm. And Russia, since 2005, has developed submarine nuclear weapons that are purely designed to throw a tidal wave at the coast of your country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just sit two or three Ks off and yep. then
1: yeah send it at you
0: yeah uh where are we? finally and although not a new method of warfare incendiary weapons are now being developed to the point where chemical fireballs will be produced which radiated thermal energy similar to that of atomic bomb there is also the very real possibility of building weapons that incorporate radio waves to incapacitate enemies and even crumble structures well you know we also can't, you know, as, as much as we did some positive stuff today, that's uh, tonight, we also can't forget that, you know, this time last year, a few months ago, they did use direct energy weapons on Australian public and Canberra. They did actually do that. Acoustic yep. weaponry. They turned it on them. People got burned and blisters and stuff like that. There was some weird injuries that came out of the camps. Yeah. 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 Our government did that to us. Just, just so we're clear. It's not, not into, not, uh, yeah. Anyway, keep moving. Uh, we're right. There's also yeah, radio waves. Da, 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 da. If properly contained and controlled, such microwave devices would prove to be a highly effective for weaponry and interesting, thing, are also described in detail in ancient Indian texts. As you can see, there are a great many new weapons that are actually on the drawing board right now. And as you read this book, even more new ideas are being devised. So we know these types of sciences are possible. The question is has it happened before? In Castle of Glass. Exhibit A, evidence of the very real possibility of such events in our distant past can be seen in the existence of a large number of enigmatic and highly vitrified ruins that can be found in many parts of the world. The scattered nature of these ruins, including areas of Scotland, France, Turkey, and the Middle East, and the vitrified stones they contain, is something that just cannot be explained, easily explained. Yeah, vitrified forts, I've seen those in Scotland, there's heaps of them, like the rocks are like glass on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh According to the author David hatcher Childress, there are at least 60 such vitrified forts that exist throughout Scotland and not alone. Among the most well-known of these are the Scottish Romans are Taponath, Dunedir, Craig, Fardraig, near Inverness, Abernathy, near Perth, Dun Lagag, in Ross, Cromarty, Arca, Unxal, Eilin, Nagor, Boot, Dugan, Goyle, Dunagoyle, on the Sound of Boot, off Arran Island, and the Cowdell Hill Fort in Argyll. West Scotland. Perhaps the best example of them is the BC Tapo North, which is near the village of Rhiney in northeastern Scotland. The ruins are a massive fort which was built high on the summit of the Tapo North Mountain at the height of 1859 feet. At first glance, it appears the walls of the fortress are made of a blackened simbri- simdery rubble, but on closer examination, it becomes strikingly evident they are actually made of mel- melted and fused together rocks. What were once individual stone blocks within the walls are now black and glassy masses that have been fused together by a heat that was in place is so intense that the remains of actual molten rivulets in the rock that once ran down the walls like melting wax can be still seen quite clearly. One early theory proposed that the forts were located on the remains of ancient volcanoes and that the people used molten stone being ejected from the eruptions to build their settlements. That's that's a stretch. Catching volcano rocks. <laughs> I mean, were you like, what are were are you? they
1: saying though that they were still hot? Yeah, that's the thought that I was like, <laughs> what, they're catching fire rock? Yeah, yeah. As it's coming out, or are they getting it
0: yeah, how they, up, cooled down? I don't but know. It still, still doesn't matter. Mean, this is, yeah. Yeah, and there you go. I'm not, look at this. I'm not sure know. whose brainwave that addiction idea actually was, but it seems somewhat fanciful at best. <laughs> that theory, however, was soon replaced with the notion that the vitrification was in fact done on purpose in order to strengthen the walls. This theory reported that the builders had perhaps designed the forts in that fashion, surmising that fires had been lit so as to temper the stone, that's a long, massive fire, in order to produce walls strong enough to resist both the invading armies and quite possibly the dampness of the local climate. It's an interesting theory to say the least, but one has to... But one that has a number of serious problems. Firstly, there is no indication of such vitrification actually does strengthen the walls in any way. And secondly, there is every indication that the fire in fact weakens them substantially. In many cases, the walls of the fortress seem to have almost been totally collapsed because of the fires. Also, since the walls of many Scottish forts are only partially vitrified, it does not seem to have been purposely done as the walls have only been partially completed, would hardly have been considered to have been an effective fortification. It must be appreciated that some of these ruins are massive too, indicating that they were once occupied by extreme large forces. In one section of the book, Mysterious Britain, the authors Jeanette and Colin Bord discuss the vastness of ruins of Maiden Castle in Scotland, which gives a good indication of the enormous size of these ancient fortresses. We just want, I'll go to Shadow Desert, mate. I reckon we wrap it up. I reckon we're done.
1: Well, I was just counting there before. we have we've done pretty well. We're up about twenty odd pages tonight. Yep. So that means what were we about two thirty? Yeah. So if we do forty pages, which if we cut out the big section of speech that we had tonight at the yep. start, the, the thank you to twenty twenty two. Yeah. I think that's possible in the next episode, mate.
0: Yeah. Oh, can we smash it out, man? Oh, can we finish it off down here at the Shattered Desert? And yep. then, uh, yeah, I think next episode, the last one, there's no articles, there's no nothing, mate. There's no palaver. We jump straight finishing in. finishing it
1: off for the people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Where are we? Just getting it done.
0: It covers an area over 120 acres with an average width of 1,500 feet and length of 3,000 feet. The inner circumference is about eleven point two miles round and it has been estimated that it would have required two hundred and fifty thousand men to defend it. It is hard and therefore it's hard therefore to believe that this current construction was intended to be a defensive position. Numerous vitrified remains can also be found in the western United States. One such site was discovered in Death Valley by the American explorer Captain Ives William Walker in 1850. I think there's a lot in America, man. Like, the more you hear about it, like the Egyptian stuff and giants, and there's all sorts of things you hear about coming out of there, eh? At the centre of the site was a huge rock between 20 and 30 feet high with the remains of enormous structure atop it. The southern side of both the rock and the building was melted and vitrified. Walker assumed that the volcano had been responsible for this phenomenon, but there is no volcano in the area. In addition, tectonic heat could not possibly have caused such visible liquefaction on the surface of the rock. More vitrified ruins can also be found in France, Turkey, India, and some areas of the Middle East. Some of the ancient ziggurats of Iran and Iraq also contain vitrified material. Some of the vitrification on these ruins is thought to be some archaeologists have been caused by the very ancient and mysterious Greek fire. That was my thought. This with the Greek fires being thrown to the walls. Yep. The vitrified remains of the ziggurat at Burz Nimrod in Borsippa, south of Hilla, that were once thought to be the Tower of Babel, are also crowned by a large, massive vitrified stonework, uh, stone brickwork, and actual baked clay bricks that have been fused together by some some type of truly intense heat. And that's it, mate. That is the shattered desert. Uh, That's what we're doing. Uh,
1: That's what we're coming back with next year.
0: Next a year, of mate, a shattered, desert, of shattered mate. desert. You know what I mean? Hey, look, that's that's interesting. More dots joined, more interesting evidence. Uh, I don't know too much more, mate. Some Do you interesting anything else? theories.
1: Yeah, interesting uh, mate, theories. I just want to say um, thank you very much, 2022. Yeah. We'll come back. We'll see you all fresh in 2023. Yeah.
0: Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, salutations, holidays, whatever it is, solstice, solstice is coming up. Yeah, it's been interesting, eh? Have a great break. We'll Have a see great when break. we get back. Awesome, guys! Thank you very much. Look after yourselves. Be kind. Be cool. Until next time.
1: This life and the next. Cheers. Peace.
0: <clears throat> Just want to go again. Let's do it. Yeah. Go again. All right. I know you. <clears throat> I know the pain and I know the fear we do not name and the one who comes to find me when my time is through I know you I know you